Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a fun episode with Kuyu's Todd Harney and Ben Britton, and they're going to share a bunch of pack tips, information, and what they bring on their hunts. Uh, they're also going to answer some uh, questions uh, from Kuyu customers, uh, and also Jason Harrison's going to make an appearance in this um, in this video. Um, you can actually go on Kuyu Ultralight Hunting's YouTube channel and watch the video uh, yourself. I thought uh, you guys would get some value out of this audio that is taken from the YouTube video. I want to remind you guys to go to Kuyu.com and check out all the ultralight hunting gear that Kuyu makes. Um, and I want to thank them for their sponsorship of my podcast. Also want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for their sponsorship. Remind you guys to use the J. Scott uh, promo code when signing up for Insider. You're going to get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card. And you can immediately be spending that gift card uh, on uh, products there at GoHunt.com. I also want to thank PhoneScope.com. If you use the J. Scott 16 promo code, uh, you are going to get a 10% discount there at PhoneScope.com. And also the Outdoorsman's. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount uh, at Outdoorsman's.com or 1-800-291-8065. If you call the Outdoorsman's, you're going to get a 10% discount. Use the J. Scott promo code. Let's get right to this episode. Uh, guys, if you want to send me a message, you can do so at jscott outdoors at gmail.com you can also do it on my instagram send me a direct message uh, that's at j scott outdoors on instagram uh, let's have fun with this episode ben and i have both been here for coming up on five years and we've used this gear uh, quite a bit all over the west and alaska and um, we just thought we'd get together today and kind of go through some of the frequently asked questions that we hear at the trade shows and emails and uh, all that stuff. And basically, we each brought our full setup for a high country mule deer hunt. Um, everything short of, you know, we'll, we'd probably bring more food than we have here today. And that's going to be about the only difference. Uh, I run the Ultra 6000, and Ben always uses a Icon Pro 7200. So we're going to kind of just go through all our gear, how we pack it, uh, features of the bags, and you'll get my opinion on why I like the 6000 and Ben's on why he likes the 7200. And, and if anyone has a question at any time, just shout it out. Uh, yeah, if you, if you have a question or want to stop us, just raise your hand. We're hoping this can just kind of be as much a question and answer as it is us uh, talking. talking. So um, I guess we can get started you want to go through your stuff yeah so i run i've run the 7200 since we came out with it um pretty much narrowed down my gear list to pretty much i pack the same thing every single time uh, most of it just stays packed uh, to start i always recommend shoving in the bottom of your bag your sleeping bag it's going to be real light but it's going to help get all your stuff up higher up in your bag you don't want a lot of weight down in the bottom um, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on your lumbar pad, which is going to make your hips and your lower back hurt. Um, Thermarest sleeping pad. I run the 
even if I'm by myself, I run the Mountain Star with aluminum poles. Um, I just prefer the extra space. I don't mind the weight. Um, I've ran the Ultra Star before, but always keep going back to the Mountain Star. That way, we, if we get in a bind, we've got enough space that we can both jump in it. And you can see with his 7200, why don't you zip it all the way open there? That's kind of a, a big convenience feature of that 7200 versus the Ultra, where you can lay it down and open it all the way up like that, versus this Ultra, although look how tiny it is when it's packed down as a day pack. But for loading the Ultra, we just have one vertical zipper there, so you do have some access from the side, but still not quite as convenient as the full horseshoe zip of the 7200. Um, is, is that a difference between the Icon and the Ultras? Yeah. On most of the packs? On, yeah, so Ultras are, well, the 3800 have a full horseshoe zipper. Uh, the 6000 is the only one that has the side access. Um, and then all the pros have a full horseshoe zipper. I'll have a roll top dry bag with all the extra clothes that I'm going to pack in that I'm not actually wearing hiking in. Um, and here I've got a super down vest, 145 bottoms, a 145 zip tee, and a Peloton 200. I think it's pretty important when you're packing your pack to keep weight distribution pretty even from left to right. Uh, so you've got to take into account pack it all up but then you're going to fill your water probably before you start hiking so a gallon of water weighs about eight pounds um, so take that into consideration what side you're going to carry your rifle on uh, you don't want to overload one side because that's going to put a lot of strain on that one side and that leg's actually going to wear out a lot quicker does that have a built-in bladder uh, it does not um, but on either side on the inside there's a hydration pocket um, it's got just a clip at the top, and then both sides just have a port that you can put your tube out. Um, all the new ones come with a zippered port, which makes it a lot easier than these old get-it-through-that-hole struggle a little bit for a while. Um, so I carry my water on my right side, just because I'm right-handed, and that's why I like my tube. Um, it can go on either side. Um, just kind of simulating, it's just full of mountain house right now, but I'd have all my food in a roll-top dry bag as well. What size? Uh, medium. Uh, try not to carry too much food because I didn't never end up eating it. So what's the duration of, of this hunt that you're packing for right here? Um, really could be any duration. Just all what's going to change is the amount of food that you bring. You're going to bring the same clothes, the same tent, sleeping bag, so say five days. Um, so that and then the uh, MSR reactor stove most of the time if we're going in for three of us we'll just bring one of these you can boil water pretty quick and all you're using it to do is boil water for either coffee or mountain houses um, and if you guys are running it I highly recommend picking up one of the French press adapters and uh take in some real coffee that's a game changer in the morning we usually fight over who has to carry the pot portion 
and the fuel and who carries the burner. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have fuel in here either. Um, so once I get kind of the big stuff in, that's kind of when I'll zip it up. Just kind of make sure it's all shifted around in there and comfortable. And then I'll start loading up the front. My gloves that I'm running these days, I'll take the Super Down glassing mitt, a pair of Merino gloves, and then the old Yukon shell glove that we used to make. Um, that way my hands are warm and dry. I don't have to carry anything that's too bulky. Just a solar panel has an internal storage, so I'll just leave it out at camp during the day, let it charge up, and then I can actually plug in at night and charge my headlamp or my phone or camera or whatever I'm carrying. Uh, the Ultra has its own suspension system, and then the Pro has its own, but they're interchangeable. So you'll see, I use the Icon Pro suspension with the... Yeah, oh, hey, uh, I've got the the Icon Pro suspension on the Ultra bag, just because I prefer to have the little bit extra padding and structure that's in that Icon Pro suspension set, but then enjoy the weight savings of the Ultra bag. And you can do the same thing. The frame is identical either way. No difference between an ultra frame or a pro frame. It's the same frame. Extra padding though on the pro? Uh, in the suspension, yes. More pockets on the pro as well? Or is it yeah, yeah. So you'll see when I get into mine, it's it's got a uh, lot fewer pockets than, than what yeah, Ben's the, working with here. The pro is going to have, it's a 500 denier Cordura. So it's going to be, and then the ultras are a 330. So the pros are going to have a more durable fabric. Um, that's one reason that I end up going with the pro. I tend to fall down a lot, so I need that extra durable, durable uh, material. And an extra tall now, so three frame sizes. That all depends off the. It's less height and more uh, torso length. I use the tall. I use a regular. Yeah. So that 7200 can be broke down to a day pack fairly easily? Yeah, yeah, we'll go over that later. Um, once we pack into camp, what we take out and what we take during the day. Sorry. Normally bring merino beanie, merino neck gaiter, and a 240 beanie. I usually keep all the stuff that you kind of want to access once you stop the glass, but you don't want to have to get deep down in your pack. Um, so gloves, beanies, headlamps, um, the Outdoorsman Bino tripod. If you guys aren't running your binos on a tripod yet, I would highly recommend it. Um, then you don't have to shit there and shiver while you're trying to glass. <laughs> I've got the, I run the Tika, and then I always bring the little Petzl E-Lite um, just for around camp so I'm not wearing down this battery. Um, kind of can set it up in your tent in the morning if you're getting stuff together you can kind of hook it up top it's just kind of a little nice little lightweight little headlamp to take uh, just a collapsible cup and a spoon it's the only only things we take for for food 
see. I always take a little zipper dry bag. This is going to have all my Havilon extra knives, paracord, sunscreen, toothbrush, toothpaste, tags, license. Keep it all in one little easy to access area. I normally just, since the Pro's got a bunch of internal pocketing, I kind of take advantage of that just to keep it in the same spot. So I just put it in that front top one inside there. I always take a rain cover just in case you get stuck out there and it starts downpouring. The packs are PU coated, so they're going to be water resistant, but this water's eventually going to make its way through the zippers and the seams. And that's also why I keep clothes and food and stuff in a roll top dry bag just in case everything gets wet. At least my clothes aren't going to be soaking wet. So, why didn't they make packs waterproof? Uh, weight of material. You'd have, and, to, and you'd have to seam tape it. You'd have to have waterproof zippers. Be some kind of rain, but not. Yeah. It can take a little bit, but yeah, if it downpours. Yeah, any any waterproof material that we would make a pack out of would be expensive, noisy. Uh, you would lose durability, and you would have to seam tape all the seams and stuff. And uh, it's just so much more cost effective to put the stuff that you don't want to get wet in a dry bag. My hydration that water filter that I'm taking these days is just a gravity filter. I bring an extra three liter uh, platypus bladder with a cap and then just a gravity filter. And I would fill this up with a creek or pond or anything, hook this up to it, and then I would just filter the water directly into my drinking water. And then I'll fill this back up if we're going back to camp, have three liters of dirty water. I can just leave it at camp if I want to. That way the next day if I need more water for cooking or anything like that, I've got water at camp. And then just a long tube just to be able to get it down in there. Real lightweight setup. Uh, platypus. It's just the same one we sell here. Um, scree gaiters, if I'm not wearing them while I'm hiking in, I just kind of keep them in my pack for when I do want to wear them. Just a set of game bags. And that's pretty much what goes in the main compartment of my pack. How's the durability on those gaiters? Uh, pretty good. They're more of a, they're not like a waterproof gator. They're more just to keep dirt and stuff from getting inside your boot and rocks. Um, California keeps the burrs from sticking all in your laces and then making it a pain to untie them later. I've got two years on these scree gators. If you want to look at them, they're doing well. You haven't had to replace the the straps or anything like that. No, I mean the uh, I mean, two years, the plastic on the outside is worn through, but the nylon's still good underneath there. Buckles are beat up, but not needing replacement and they take a lot of abuse um, I normally don't take it these days um, I'm running Swarovski 15s on a tripod um, I used to bring this when I was taking just 10s but I don't take it too much anymore but I'll throw it in there sometimes if we're going into some big country and I usually wait Wait till everything's loaded to load that thing up just because I don't want to 
don't want it to be on an outer part of it where if I do fall, I'm going to bust it. So I'll load it from the top, just kind of pick a spot in the middle and shove it down in there. So you can still access that from the very top? Yeah. Yeah, and I can just take off the lid, open this up, and pull my spotting scope out if I want. And then, normally I'd carry quite a bit of food, mountain house stuff, in my lid. That way when I get to camp, I don't have to unpack it. I can just take my lid off and leave it there with all the food in it. Um, I'll put in my lid my rain gear. So that way if it does start to rain, it's not down in that roll-top dry bag with all my clothes, and I have to get all the way through there just to get my rain gear. And then I'd throw my super down in case we do want to stop in glass while we're packing in. Um, that way it's easily accessible. That way, just throw it on if it's cold. So the lid will look a little empty because it'd be food in there, but that. And then I just run my bullets with a hair tie around it. I'm sure you guys all know that those are probably laying all over your house. Just throw those in my hip belt. And that's pretty much it for packing inside the pack. How many bullets do you Usually about five. Five? Yeah. And then the ones that are going to be in the rifle. I take my tripod and I'll put that, I use, put that on my left side. Just shove it down in, in the stuff it pocket. And then use the side compression straps. To attach that. And then on the other side, my right side is where I'm going to carry my rifle. The nice part about the pros is they have this side pocket. This pocket has two zippers. It's got two pockets so you can completely lay that pocket open. I don't know if you guys can see that. But um, I'll take my rifle. shove it down in the pocket here and then I'll use that rest of that pocket to actually cover the scope in action so that way if I'm going through brush or anything I don't have to worry about sticks scratching my scope or anything like that and then just use the side compression straps to keep it in place and that's another feature you're not going to get with the Ultra bags, because they don't have these side pockets. And then just running the Lecky trekking poles, but I'd have those with me packing in. Is that pocket large enough for a No, but Todd's got a bow, so he'll show you how to set that up. And then that's pretty much it. I'm ready to hit the trail and go. Kind of shoot for under 30. That's before most, I mean, depending on water situations, depending on how much water I'm actually going to take with me to pack in. Uh, we hunt Colorado, and there's water everywhere, so you don't have to fill up three liters to pack in because you're not going to drink it all. But you go into Nevada where water's always all the way at the bottom, and you could be packing in six liters of water. So, um, But that's pretty much it without water and food. Yeah, if we're, if we're under at or under 30 before water, we're happy. Come feel it if you want, for weight-wise. 
Yeah. And it's a lot different once you get it on your back with that hip belt. So yeah, that's the seven. That's pretty much what I pack almost every hunt, no matter where we're going, Utah, Colorado, Nevada. Um, and you pack your meat in that also? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of room left there for meat, but there is. It'll expand out some more without those compression straps tightened down. Yeah, uh, there's the, a lot of room to go upward when you extend that snow collar. Between the 52 and the 72, a lot of that extra 2,000 cubic inches is going to come with this. This You can actually fill this pack all the way up to the top here and then loosen your lid, and your lid can come up higher, and then your lid can go over the top. So that lid comes with that pack? Yeah. Um, I have before. Um, I've also done load sling. Between so between you can carry meat between the frame and the bag. It's called load sling. Um, I I'll think show that. Got, yeah, we're going to show you that too. If I don't have to use it, I don't prefer not to. But if I had camp and everything, I'd probably end up having to do it, depending on how many people we had with us to pack out a deer. I don't know. It just seems Personal to ride better. Rides better. When it's all inside there. Inside the pack? Yeah, yeah. Something I missed when it was open was they ha the pros have an internal lashing system, so there's loops all over the inside. So you can throw a hind quarter, a shoulder, and a rib in there. You can put those straps all around it, so it's going to actually keep it secured to your back inside your pack. So do these game bags that they sell here, do they leak all through there and stuff? Yeah. yeah. It comes out. It's still going to yeah. Well, it's 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 better it's right. better to let your the blood drain out of your meat and maybe get on some of your gear than it is to just have your meat sealed up in a bunch of blood. Because I mean, I'd rather have bloody gear. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you chose to go hunt grizzly country. That's right. So what's the bear difference? Uh, just washing one machine. More yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, ultra 6,000 versus 7,200? About two pounds. Two pounds or, or just a little less just than two, two pounds? So this is just an empty Ultra 6,000. Inside here I've got the... Because there's no pockets in here like Ben has on his for the water bladders. So we make this uh, hanging bladder holder, which just clips in, and then you can, uh, you know, put your water bladder right down into it. And it does have one clip in the middle that you can clip your bladder to. Yeah. Uh, I recommend getting that. That way the weight's right where the stays are instead of sagging the middle of your pack. Um, yeah, so if I had three liters of water in here and I was just relying on this clip here, it would be pulling down in the middle right there, which isn't a huge deal, but you might as well have it contained in there. And then if it leaks for some reason, if your uh, cap comes undone, it's just going to kind of hold the water in there and not just get everything soaked inside your pack. I've also got in here, it's called a pack accessory pouch. Since there's no pockets inside this entire bag, it is nice to have one pouch in there that can be zipped up and contain some things. So what I'll do is I'll take my game bags. This is uh, two mediums, two smalls, and one zip-up boned-out bag. 
and that's enough for for a whole boned out deer I'll put those in there since I you know usually only get to those once or twice a hunt and then in that same thing I'll do my water filtration since I'm only going to be filtering water every couple days most likely uh, it's just kind of a, a low use item so that'll go inside there also same system as Ben is just a an old platypus bag to fill up with dirty water I'll plug it in to the end of this drop this end into my clean water and then just squeeze it out the only downside to that setup is it doesn't have a big mouth on the bladder so it can kind of be hard to fill if it's just a pond um, yeah if it's real shallow water it can be if tough you're interested in doing that setup I'd get the platypus big zip that has the big open mouth on it that'll be easier to fill if you're thirsty enough you make it work so there's water game bags and filtration system go sleep this is a 15 degree kuyu bag oh and I have this pack all cinched down just to show how small they get for day use uh, so I need to open it back up to allow room for my overnight gear which is just a matter of going around the outside and loosening all the straps and you can see how much volume that adds just by cinching and uncinching those bottom straps so lightweight high volume items in the bottom like the sleeping bag and what that'll do right there is just kind of set you up so everything that's going to be on top of that is heavier and it's closer to the center of your back away from your lumbar area this is a summit refuge floorless two-person tent and it's a nice one for by yourself or two people if you like each other the pack ultra 6000 and uh, like I mentioned this is ultra 6000 bag on the icon pro suspension set so that'll that tent just kind of sits in there on either side I don't really feel the need to offset tent weight versus tripod weight and stuff like that uh, like the icon pro because the water is hanging in the middle and that's kind of setting your your center weight right there so it doesn't really matter too much where you put your heavier items just make some kind of effort to keep them even this is an XL dry bag and other than the clothes I'd be wearing to pack in these are the extras I like to take a down vest and a down hooded jacket just because they're so lightweight and so warm and layered together they're really warm and then you can fine-tune just the vest just the jacket or both and it's a really good way to save weight is just take out heavier mid layers and put in down or even synthetic insulation pieces and layer them together uh, this is a Peloton 200 I used to wear the merino the heavier merino stuff like the 210 um, and then when we came out with this Peloton 200 it's basically the same warmth 
but they dry faster, a little bit lighter weight. So switched over to that. Still merino on the base layers. These are the, uh, let me just show these real quick. I feel like this is one of our things we have that doesn't, that a lot of people don't know about. So these base layer bottoms, I'm sure a bunch of you guys have them though. They just zip right open. And then if you want to put them on, you drop your pants to the top of your boots. Throw them on like this. And then just zip them up the sides. And then you don't have to worry about putting them on in the morning. And then when you get hot, you got to stop and take your pants and boots off. They're just on and off real easy. And then pull your pants over them. So that's a Peloton 200 bottom. Yeah, yeah, base layer. Uh, the yeah, the that's the weight of the fabric. So two hundred grams per square meter of fabric, and versus two forty. We don't make the bottoms in a two forty. It's the on the synthetic stuff one thirty and two hundred. So these go everywhere. Uh, just one one extra pair of socks even if it's five, seven days. And then rain gear. I'll save the rain gear to put it in the lid like Ben did, just because it's one of those things where if you need to get to it, usually you gotta get to it quick or you wait till the last second. So that's the extra clothes right there in an XL dry bag. And it's uh, nice to go a little bit big on your dry bags just in case you end up loading your pack with a ton of meat and you need to put stuff on the outside. If you have extra room in your dry bags, you can put your other gear in it and then strap them to the outside or the top or the bottom of your pack to pack out. So, just a tip. And I'll just put that right in there in front. Now that I'm starting to fill up a little bit, well, I got zip that side and start loading it from the top. Food. This is a medium. I don't eat a lot on the mountain. Probably got three days worth of food right there. Uh, five to seven days would still all fit in that medium. Um, well, let's see what's in here. This is kind of left over from hunting in Utah. Anyone hungry? Number one item is fruit cups. Get a little sugar. Get your sweet tooth going. Uh, here's an old half a peanut butter and jelly bagel. <laughs> High calories. And they last. Look at the preservatives in that thing. Uh, toilet paper just for wiping my mouth. Lots. <laughs> Lots and lots of French vanilla creamer. And then just these little uh, instant coffee packets for when Ben doesn't want to bust out the French press. Some mountain house. I uh, usually eat one or two top ramens every day. Cliff bars. Nothing too, nothing too groundbreaking at all. The biggest thing is, oh, Pop-Tarts are a good one. Take what you are going to want to eat. 
even if it's a little bit less calorie dense if I mean you got to be able to enjoy your meals when you're out there at the end of the day I really don't want to eat something that doesn't taste good these uh, here's an old empty tuna packet tuna packets are okay don't mix them with your top ramen noodles because that's terrible uh, just a, a packet of wet wipes let me get on the food real quick. Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, over the years I found that if you're taking in food, um, I've done it with, you bring lots of bars, lots of, uh, you know, power bars or cliff bars that, that type of food over a long period of time, will, there's so many sugars in it and so many carbs in it that will upset your stomach. Um, and going to more like whole foods, bagels, nuts, um, and stuff you eat on a more regular basis on a long hunt makes a big difference, especially out in how your stomach's going to feel. Like Todd said, if you if there's a bar or something you're going to bring that tastes okay, but you think you need it because it's a nutrition type of bar, performance type of bar, when you're on the mountain and you're spending you know spending a ton of calories, that food will taste terrible to you and you're not going to want to eat it. And a lot of times when you're in calorie deficit, and you're burning your own fat, you're not going to have much of an appetite. So you want to bring food that you know you like. And I like to test out all sorts of different foods in the off-season to really dial it and make sure I'm, what I'm bringing in, I'm used to, I like, I know I'm going to enjoy it when I'm on the mountain. Otherwise, you just, you'll end up not eating, and it's put you in a, in a bad spot. And you can bomb for a little bit, getting to the point where you're just not memory strong enough uh, when it gets really difficult. And we've been eating less Mountain House every trip too. I mean, start out with Mountain House the first couple of days and it just, you can't fly out of the tent fast enough in the morning that it just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just depends. Stick to bagels and stuff. Just, it's good to do that yeah. in the season. Make sure what you're bringing in, um, you're, you're going to like your stomach. You're used to it, doesn't upset. And then my rule of thumb on food is um, it's about two pounds a day. Is will get you through. You're going to be in calorie deficit. Um, and then if you look at uh, calories per ounce on your packages, I'll add all my calories uh, per ounce up. And I try to average about 120 to 130 calories per ounce. If you add that up to two pounds, it gets you about 4,365 calories uh, a day. Not that I've done the math, but you actually can do exactly that. And that's about what you. And I found that you're going to. You might burn 10,000, 12,000 calories if you're grinding all day. Um, that will get you through. You're never going to be able to bring enough food to match what you're burning. And it's okay to be hungry and lose a little weight, too. Well, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> yeah. It's just you want to be able to get through. Anyways. So you're saying out. stick more to like the fat base. You want as much fat as you... Rather than sugar. 100%. Yeah. You want as much fat... It makes sense. It burns slower. ...percentage in that food, yeah. food bag as you can possibly get. So almonds, for instance, um, highest calorie per ounce item you can bring is 180 calories per ounce. Super high in fat. Probably same with walnuts, too, or something like that. Any of the nuts, yeah. Peanut butter's great. Nuts are great. Um, you start looking at, like, beef jerky. It's got terrible calories per ounce. It doesn't really give you that much. Now, you might it's like it on the mountain. Yeah. And it gives you lots of... And salt's not bad because you're going to be sweating so much. If you eat Mountain House like I do, for, I bring Mountain House breakfast and dinner and then whole foods during the day. Um, Mountain House is going to be way more so than we should ever have. Um, yeah. But the nice thing about... I mean, Todd's right. I mean, sometimes Mountain House doesn't agree with everybody, but I found the Mountain House lets you carry more food if you have it for breakfast. And, like, their skillet breakfast has eggs or their um, granola blueberries. actually has a really high calories per ounce because it weighs so, so little because it's dehydrated. Um, and 
lets you bring more food during the day, gets you that two pound mark. And being able to sit and eat a, a hot, filling mountain house meal if you got a few that you like is just a. Uh, it's got a it's got a mental aspect That's to just it. It's easy. Yeah. You know, you're exhausted at night, you get back at the ten at ten at night and it's storming out. It's cold water and nothing Yeah. Um, yeah, food is one of these things that it's it's the high you know, it's the most amount of weight you're gonna put in the pack. And it's talked about the least amount when we're talking about saving weight in your gear. So it's um, I've studied it, studied uh, the nutrition of it, working with UC Davis Human Performance Lab right now, to even further understand exactly what we should be bringing in food and the calories and the amount of fat. Um, because it, it can make or break your hunt. Are you going to branch out into food at all, or stick with mostly the hard It's a good question. I don't know. We're gonna. I want to better understand exactly from science how many calories per ounce we should be bringing, exactly how much fat we should have in that amount of calories we're going to bring, and then look at what we can put together as far as the food kit that's out there. And that's what UC Davis is about. It is. Yeah. I mean, I've I've built my food kit and broken it down the way I have. Um, but I don't have the science behind it to back it. I just go from being in the mountains what's worked for me over, over 30 years of doing this. But now I want to dig into the science of it. And even Forrest Lab, the, the guy that runs it a nutrition, has a nutrition background as well. So he's helping me with all the data that we're going to put together, help build what we're going to start bringing the pack based on science and performance, which is going to be super interesting. Um, but fat is key. I mean, you want to look at finding calories, foods that have high fat and high calories per ounce. And make sure you like them, and you can eat them for 14 days. And then, you know, I pre-pack every single day in a Ziploc bag. And if I'm on 14 days, I got 14 of those, 14 breakfasts, 14 dinners, um, because you know exactly what you have. You don't overpack, and you don't forget something. Versus just throwing a whole bunch of food in your pack and hope you have enough. But typically, you're going to overpack that way. And it's nice. You get back at night, you take out your empty bag, put in your your next day's kit, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Depends what I'm doing. If we're moving camp or packing and moving every day with our camp and sending back in my backpack, um, if we're set up from the base camp for a day or two or a week, yeah, it's day base camp. So food bag usually just go right in the top. It is nice to keep a few trail snacks out and put them in your lid. And I've still got a lot of room left in this bag. So you break out the food per day in the Ziploc bags in your um, mountain house. Our zip top uh, game bags, which you should be carrying anyway, make perfect setup for putting all your food in. And then usually when we kill something, we're going to get out anyway, so we'll have to dump all the food out and then load up all the meat in the, in the game bags. So we get dual purpose on the game bags. And they also make great pillows too if you haven't tried it. <laughs> but the zip top uh, uh, meat bags were great for storage and stuff like that. Keeps it organized in your pack, you can pull it out. Nice, that's it. So, yeah, game bags do make really good pillows. They do? Put all your extra clothes that you're not sleeping in, throw it in a clean game bag. <laughs> Mine are never clean. Why, why, why do you need a clean pillowcase when your face is dirty? <laughs> Uh, this is probably the heaviest thing I bother to pack, but it's nice to get good photos. So that'll just kind of go right in here on top, easy to get to, centered for weight distribution. 
and I am now ready to cinch the main compartment up and with these ultras it's pretty convenient just to it has a double cinch so you can cinch the bottom one roll the top one down and there's a strap right here to go over the top and just lock it down little items that are always being grabbed are lightweight gloves beanie they go in there I don't like to leave my glassing adapter on my tripod while packing in in case it falls off so that'll go right in there uh, little charge uh, goal zero charging device usually for four or five days I'll just bring one of these fully charged and I don't really play around on my phone very much out there so it's mainly for headlamps or watches or whatever uh, this is a sweet little headlamp it's gonna come out this spring by Petzl and it's a bright hundred I think it's a hundred and twenty lumen uh, I mean weighs almost nothing rechargeable so there's the headlamp and I've also in here like Ben has is the backup e-light Petzl e-light which you can hang as a lantern in your tent or uh, I've had my big one die packing out a deer in Nevada and I had to pack out the e-light and it did just fine yeah only fell twice <laughs> <laughs> I guess these these little zipper dry bags we make are pretty nice to have Usually I'll put my tag and license in there in a Ziploc. Moleskin. Some moleskin. Uh, have three extra Havilon blades. Havilon lighter. Uh, tape measure cut off at 30 inches because if it's over 30, you're happy. Uh, chapstick. Ibuprofen. And that's everything in there. The only knives we pack are just one Havilon each with a few extra blades. You can do everything you need to except for skull cap something. Uh, I guess I, I would have left my spoon and collapsible cup in the food bag, but I'll just throw it right in the bottom of this one for now. Uh, a lot of times, even though we bring the MSR reactor, I'll still take a micro rocket and a half a thing of fuel in a, a pot. It doesn't weigh much. Just in case we want to branch out and hunt different areas from each other, we have, we're able to still cook on our own. So that's kind of fills up that pocket right there of frequently used items. For whatever reason, I've always just taken my sleeping pad. This is a, a Thermarest NeoAir X-Lite, and I think it's got five seasons on it and it's only been patched once they're really good pads this pocket always ends up kind of empty and just being picky and wanting the whole pack to look tight and neat I usually just bend it in half and put it in there like that uh, one extra dry bag just because if you want to put a pair of gloves or whatever just just nice to have an extra small dry bag you have all your food separate in one big one you can have an extra small extra small dry bag uh, just to take the food out for the day and put it in and then leave all the rest of the food in the other one and then I've still got the lid 
So usually if you sit down and start glassing, hands are the first thing to get cold. So keeping glassing mitts quickly accessible up on top. I mean, there's still a lot of room left in this pack. And then you can hook up your side compression straps and basically lock everything in. You don't have to be gentle with them. Over on this side, the Ultras just have one of these Stuff It pouches on one side, and that's where I like to put tripod and finish hooking these up. There is no perfect solution out there, um, in yeah. my opinion. There's, you know, I, the, the ones that function the best typically weigh more than they should. A lot of them are set up for photo or video, so they're not set up for hunting. Um, I'm using a Manfrotto tripod. They're just a carbon fiber, but it's got three legs, which you have two. Um, and Manfrotto fluid head. The fluid head's great, especially for heavy optics, but it's, um, it's just heavy. Um, a lot of the lighter weight heads out there are light, but then with a heavier scope, you, you, you let the you think you set the scope and it always wants to move on you, or it's sticky. Um, the fluid yeah, head seems to be the best. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually working with a company out of Boise right now, two A Armament, that builds really high end, great machine shop, world class machine shop and engineers there to build these really high end ARs um, on using their machine shop and we're developing a new um, head based off the Manfrotto, or excuse me, based off the, uh, the Manfrotto uh, fluid head that they make. But doing all out of aluminum, and um, they're working on the SolidWorks program right now, and it came out like almost 70% lighter than the And we're working on tripod to go with it because there isn't the perfect solution out there, so we're going to create it. Don't know when it's going to come out, but it's a project right now because there isn't one solution that everybody relies on or goes to. And I mean, companies seem to always be changing their tripods all the time. Once you find one that you really, really like, like I found this one, I really, really like. Which one's that? Buy another one. Uh, this is a slick yeah. 624. And it's, you aren't going to stand up with it, but for glassing or uh, sitting down height or kneeling or glassing out of a low chair, it's a good one. And I like to put it right in that pocket there. If, my, if I was rifle hunting, I'd have my rifle on this side and then just strap the tripod on the other side. But this is good for right now. And it just locks in there. And I guess uh, I would have that in there. Still a lot of room in this pack. Put the lid over it. You felt his. Oh, my rain gear. Uh, water resistant, yeah. I'll I'll take a, a rain cover if it's going to be wet. Usually, depending on the forecast. Just since pretty much everything in there is in a dry bag anyway. But it, if you get in a rainstorm and the water enough to where the pack starts to absorb water, you're just going to add weight to the pack. And then if it freezes at night, it's not going to dry. So. And you can't build 
It's, it's very difficult to build a waterproof pack because of the seam construction in the packs. The only way to do it yeah, is really limit a bunch of features. It could be very simple to kind of drive that with maybe a pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you definitely want to bring a rain cover if you're in wet condition. Camouflage garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we can do better than garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty light. But that'll work too. So I've got a bow holder attachment on here. And I usually just like to run my bow right on the back and it drops right into there. You have this strap here so that you can lock the limb in. So that's not coming out. What that does is it keeps the bottom of your cam protected. If you go and sit down or fall down, you're not going to grind it into the gravel or whatever you're walking on. And then up here, I'll just take one strap. You got that? Yeah. And go through one of the higher holes in that riser and then reattach it. That way, when you cinch it down, it's sucking the bow down into the bottom of this. And that right there is good enough to hike in. Yeah, yeah, you can put the rifle attachment, which I've got one. You could put the rifle attachment in the same spot. You could also put them on the sides. These packs have webbing loops all over the place. So you could put it on the side, run your rifle on the side, on the back, whatever. And yeah, rain cover, does, does it go over the rifle? Yeah, the rain cover is set up to put your rifle on, I believe it's on the right-hand side, and there's a, a hole in it with a draw cord. So you'd put your barrel right up through that, draw cord it tight. I normally just have some electrical tape wrapped around my barrel down here. So if it does rain, I'll just take off a piece and stick it over so I'm not getting water down my barrel. And as far as rain cover over a bow, there's enough extra room in them if your pack's not fully blown out to go just around your bow like you see it here. And it's nice. When we were up in Alaska, we didn't have enough room in the tent to keep all of our packs. So we'd take all of our stuff out, bring it inside the tent, and then just wrap the whole pack inside the rain cover, cinch it completely down, and just leave them outside. Oh, yeah, I shot them all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good point. I like to run the arrows up. So top of the bow down, just, I don't know. I feel like if it's up and I hook it on something and one falls off, it'll be louder when it hits the ground, and then I'll know. But Ben's usually behind me. Yeah, I'm slower. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit behind him. <laughs> uh, any questions at this point? Yeah. So how much weight are you adding back in when you kind of add in all the like, accessory pouches? Not much, because you saw there's really not any additional dry bags that I'm using than Ben's using for packing his. Uh, I, I'd say there you might be four or five ounces worth of extra dry bags. bags. Are pretty light. Well, yeah, plus the water bladder hanger, so, but not much. The way that bag's set up right now and that bag's set up, they're so close, 
cubic inch. Mm-hmm. Just by your gear, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then... If, you never really use the whole thing. No, if you're... Two pounds lighter? Yeah, a couple pounds. Uh, if That's if you were using the Ultra Suspension set. It's These two aren't that far apart since I have the Pro Suspension set on there. There is some extra weight savings there. Uh, but it's, it's probably, you know, pound and a quarter as they sit right now, difference between the two. Of course, you're getting the extra volume and the extra pockets and things with the Pro. So it's really a personal preference. Uh, anybody else yet? Over-sizing of the frame. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned I'm a regular size frame. All these packs, uh, you can peel the shoulder strap up and then slide the shoulder straps up and down to fine-tune. It just so happens that that's where I'm at. And it's all based off your actual torso length. Um, and then to measure it, really there's the roughest way to do it is just put your hands on your hips. And your thumbs are going to point across. And that's the line. And then you're going to measure up to that big bone on the back of your neck. And then on our website, we have the ranges for torso length on which frame you should be. But Todd will put it on and show you. I mean, there's things that you can tell if you need to go up or down on the frame size just by putting it on. Um, you know, you want a 45-degree angle of your load lifter coming off your shoulder. Uh, this buckle here, preferably, is going to be right above your clavicle. Um, that's going to give you the ideal. If it's too flat, you're not going to have any load lifter. It's just all, all the way it's going to be on your shoulders. If it's too steep, it's not going to be functional. So, first things first, when you go to put it on for the first time, you just kind of want everything loose, especially the load lifters. Because if they're tight when you first put it on, it's going to throw everything off. So all that stuff's loose, and it's going to look like it's really hanging back, but that's okay, because you want to get your belt locked into position first, which will be top of hip bones about midway up the belt, or in the top third. And then next you're going to come here, and as I draw these in, you're going to see that the shoulder strap is making nice even contact all the way up over the back, and the load lifters are still loose. So it's, it looks like it's still wanting to pull me back, but that's okay. The main thing at this point is that once you have those pulled down belts in the right spot, that you're that you're you're not having a big huge gap back there, which right now I am a little bit. But as soon as I pull these in and engage the load lifters, you see it. They're, they're just barely engaged, and, and I've got nice even contact over the back. And then when I suck them in, it's lifting the shoulder straps off. So that's where you're going to take the weight off of your shoulders. It's going to transfer it more into the hips. If you're hiking and your hips are getting tired, your shoulders are fine. Yeah, we'll constantly just be tweaking the those straps back. as we're hiking. So the simplest way to get your pack to fit correctly is super important. Um, is to put the pack on. Make sure you get some weight in it, 30 to 40 pounds. Like Todd said, loosen all these straps up. Get the waist belt set where you'd normally like to have it sit. And then you're going to want to, you know, I like to do the sternum strap first then tighten these straps here. And then you want to turn and look in your mirror. This angle here is critical. It's got to be running at a 45 degree. I'm good, right? Perfect. And if it's running, if, this, if, if you're not getting that angle, you need to adjust the shoulder straps on the frame. Um, if you still can't get it, your frame size is wrong. 
So I can, I can sit way up here, you've got a steep angle, the frame's too tall. If you can't get a 45, you've got it all the way adjusted, then you need to get a bigger frame. A lot of guys have a tendency to get the wrong height of frame from us. If you're in doubt, go to the taller size. So when it first came out, we came out with one size and we, we built the um, medium large, or the, the medium size uh, frame. Then we call it, we call the extra tall. We only call it extra tall because we already had a tall. But that extra tall frame will, will fit a, a wider range of guys that think, well, I'm not extra tall, they don't need it. Um, you always want to err on the side of, of a taller frame. So now with those shoulder straps moved up deliberately into the wrong spot, you want to... Yeah, and then you're going to... You just want to make sure that angle's right. And if for some reason this pack doesn't feel like the most comfortable, well-carrying distribution of weight you've ever had, then you don't have the pack fit right. One of the great things about carbon fiber and how I engineered it is we're able through engineering carbon fiber to put directional, we use all unifiber, uh, unidirectional fiber and carbon fiber, meaning it all runs in one direction. And then we're able to layer in fibers going in at angles to determine how much stiffness we want vertically and horizontally. Great thing about carbon fiber is we put a ton of it running up and down because that's where we need the support when you're carrying heavy loads and less on the horizontal axis, so we can have it twist and move with you, so you're not unlike a normal metal frame backpack, it's uncomfortable you're fighting it because it doesn't move. This will, this will move with your body, it'll also take the weight off your, off your shoulders and distribute it out throughout the hip and load up the frame when you have it set up correctly, and it creates a really, really comfortable wearing pack. So you can, it's all about fit. Because we don't have the geometry correctly, we won't, won't, won't unload that off your hips and transfer it to, your, to the frame in your shoulder, off your shoulders. Right there with the, I moved that shoulder strap up into the wrong position. So yeah, when, you're when not you, getting the angle. When you engage the load lifter and there's still that big hole back there without having the, the load lifter pulled, you just draw those shoulder straps back down. Yep. And it'll basically. I mean, our packs are the easiest packs out. in the world to adjust it correctly. Fit. You see, no way you're looking for. It's really simple. But I see so many guys with shoulder straps at the, at the wrong angle, and they're saying, "Yeah, it carries weight okay," and it, it won't carry weight well unless it's, it, the geometry is correct. Yep. It's perfect. Take all day with that. I know you guys don't have a scale up there, but 40 pounds. What is it right now? Uh, this is probably. This is probably 30 to 32 pounds. Yeah. There's only a liter of water in there. Just based on weighing it with kind of the same stuff before. I can get my pack with everything minus food, weapon, optics. I mean, no spotty scope, no tripod. Um, with everything else, tent, sleeping bag, everything I'm going to need for a 14 day hunt, and it's under 15 pounds. Yeah. So that's possible for everybody. Mm -hmm. We're going to be developing. We're right now working on a whole bunch of different gear lists for any type of hunt you guys are going to want to do, and they're going to be available. Download off our site or available here in the showroom later this spring, and we'll show you how to do it. Um, when you look at our gear list, you'll be surprised how little gear we need, no matter where we're hunting. Um, it's just bringing the good stuff and bringing just what we need. Yeah, and this has been fine-tuned over years and years. I always build a gear list, and every time on the way home, I go through and scratch off everything I didn't bring or need, and over the years, I've realized how little I need. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, I've got such a good 
I've got it narrowed down to where if it's a hot weather hunt, I'm literally just taking out a layer, but I'm carrying all the same stuff. If it's a cold weather hunt, I'm just adding a couple more layers just to be a little bit warmer, but everything else is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. And if there's not a couple times throughout a hunt that you don't have all your clothes on and you're still kind of cold, then you brought too many clothes. Yeah. I mean, in our, our range of gear, and uh, especially now with the Ultra Down, I'm weighing five or six, seven ounces. And that goes with me on every hunt, top and bottom. Um, it can save your life. You have to spend the night out. It doesn't weigh anything. And let you get through a huge range of weather conditions with, with their down products. Um, and I, during the, I've been, as I mentioned earlier, working with the uh, UC Davis Human Performance Lab. And we did a study last summer looking at increase of weight, how it affected performance. And we found that um, from zero to 40 pounds impacted my performance a, a percentage amount. From 20 or from 40 to 60, it doubled it. So every time you get a pound over 40 pounds, it, it, it it's like exponentially adds more difficulty to your to your performance. And you get up near 60, it's it's it really I mean the curve just goes like that. And so ounces do matter. Um, and that's you know why we created this company is, is realization of, of how. Uh, human performance is impacted by by weight. Nobody in hunting ever addressed it, and it's and it's really really critical. Um, and hopefully by the end of this year, we're doing a, a graduate study with UC Davis and Sacramento State. They've got an altitude chamber. We're going to be able to show you the data. You build a plug in your kit weight. At some point, we'll build an app where you can look at how many calories per hour you burn off your kit, and then you can play with different different uh, different kits and look at hey, if I choose the one man tent versus a two man tent. How many calories per hour is that going to cost me? Right? Um, that's significant. I have the 3200, and I have issues with uh, my hands falling asleep while I'm hiking. What, what potentially is the is the deal there? We have to see. Is it set up correctly at the right angle? I mean, I've I've tried messing with it a little bit. I, I don't know if I. Yeah. Bring it in. Let's take a look at it. Okay. Yeah, you've just probably just got too much pressure right through here. Mm -hmm. um, so some minor adjustments. If you brought it in, we'd be able to just adjust it a little bit. Um, it shouldn't be cutting off the blood supply to your arms. Or pitching the nerve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you do? Just extend the straps a little or something? Or um, just have to see how it's fitting his body. Yeah, you know? it's hard to tell. There's a lot of little tiny adjustments that you can make that all of a sudden it just goes from night and day and it's comfortable. So are you... I have a 3200 also, and when you're snugging them down, I mean, are you, are you snugging them so tight that you, you're not? No, I mean, you want the weight to sit on your hips. Okay. Right? You want your so pack, you're when you're setting the seat up, you want the, pack, you know, the pack to be squared on your hips, no weight on your shoulders, and you're just well, using shoulder straps to hold in place. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or you're just that tough. He hunts grizzly country. <laughs> Once, how long does it take you guys to, because these are modular, right? Mm -hmm. As far as the packs and the suspensions and whatnot. How long does it take you guys to change out? If you're going from the 72 and two to three minutes. Two to three minutes. Oh, yeah, with the new buckles. Yeah, with the new buckles on the new packs, I mean, it's just clip, 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 pull it off, put it on, redo the clips, and you're good to go. What, when did you redo the packs? Because I think I got at the garage sale. I had one that's a little older. Yeah, it was mid, mid last year. But we have conversion kits for that? Yeah. So if you got a new suspension, we could easily make it work. Unless you bought it at the garage sale, we could really give us. I have two packs now. I came in, I got the system, and I. Yeah, you bring it in when you put it on. 
any other questions? Ben, right? Yeah. You falling on that pack a lot? Yep. Carbon fiber. Oh, I, that's what these are from. Utah this year. <laughs> Went after a buck and slipped and fell all the time. Sure. How's the carbon fiber doing? Is it? No, it's no the cracks, same frame. No yeah, no, no, no problems at all. I mean, our frames from, I mean, you got to realize we engin- we created the very first in the world of, that was carbon fiber. And it's gone from 2011 to where we are now is pretty significant changes. And some big advancements in carbon fiber technology over that time, which we've implemented into our frame with the, with the um, unidirectional uh, spread to a carbon fiber, which frame before this had typical carbon fiber that ran north and the typical carbon fiber weaves. Um, and without adding any weight, this frame became five times stronger just, just on this new carbon fiber technology. It's bulletproof. I've never, I mean, I've been carrying that pack for 11 years and some really heavy loads in some really terrible places that I've never had much of it. Well, and even though we came out with the with the new carbon fiber material, I've still got the old one in mind and trust yeah, it. Don't, never even felt the need to switch it out. Yeah. I was thinking of paper. If it ever broke and fallen on or whatever, I've seen carbon fiber bikes blow up. So. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it's one of the downfalls of carbon fiber. When it breaks, when it fails, it fails. Yeah. I mean, there's not like a aluminum frame world of end. Um, there's a video we have on our site where I vote one of these things up and throw it down a cliff. And it survives. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fine. We yeah. took it out, on, put it up on the curb, and drove a truck up the yeah. frame. And because it, there's, you know, the competition out there trying to bash our products and carbon fiber is an uh, inferior product for carbon for background. It's actually unbelievable. Um, the engineering we're able to put into it and how we can really um, have that frame function the way we want to with a lot of stiffness vertically flexion horizontally it's just it's, it's an awesome awesome material it's just expensive that's why nobody else has gotten to that Israel warranty mm-hmm. lifetime. lifetime warranty oh, lifetime. on all of our stuff you have something you're not happy with you have something you have an issue with we'll take care of you 100% of the time if someone doesn't call me so I'll make sure it's <laughs> Now, we will never lose a customer over a product they're not satisfied with. Ever. You were going to show how the meat attaches to the outside tire. Oh, yeah. I could do that real quick. So if you say, say your pack was pretty full or you didn't want to put meat in the pack, you wanted to utilize the what we call the load sling mode, you would just go and loosen up all your compression straps around the outside. Yeah, this is an awesome feature if you want to take a smaller pack or a pack that will just carry everything you're going to go in with. Yeah, you were asking about using that 1850 as an overnighter, so this is going to be the same situation here. Yeah, you can take one of our dry bags. It's also a great place to carry meat and heavy stuff. It's closer to your back to better. we got to go to the bottom and loosen these straps here because they provide the tension that holds the bag on the top of the frame. So once I've done that, the frame pops out and you have this V wedge here. It's best to leave these other straps at the bottom fairly tight and make it like a V since there's actually not anything, there's not a flap or anything down there in the bottom. Nor do you want your weight to And, I mean, you aren't going to lose stuff through there anyway. So you would just take and drop your, you know, your bag of gear or clothes or meat, whatever, down inside there, and then so we're gonna switch over and put your clothes there, and you like to put your meat down inside the backpack. I'd recommend putting the meat here. Oh. Yeah, if, if you're, you're gonna do this between your bag and your yeah, put put the dense heavy stuff closest to your back, 
And then these are called bridge straps, and I've got my buckles on upside down, but that's okay. Oh, and those are going to then go there. Oh, I had a weird contraption, but... You can turn it all the way around, too, to the... So now that you've done that, and once you have your stuff in there, you got it where you like it, just kind of start at the bottom and cinch it down, cinch it down, cinch all this stuff down. You want your top one to be really, really tight so that when you go to use your load lifters for your shoulder strap function, it's going to actually draw in and out that strap and not pull this back and forth. And yeah, tighten everything back up and away you go. Yeah, it really gives us a lot of versatility with our, our packs and packing out camp and an animal. Actually yeah, and the meat's going to be the heaviest thing in your pack, and you want the heaviest thing that's in there going to be close to your back, right above your heels. That way it's going to carry way more comfort. If you put it in the pack, like outside on the outside of your camp, it's going to be pulling you back. It's going to really hurt your lower back. It's a nice way you put on all these cramps. How much have we tested? We've had 200 pounds in it. Yeah, I've carried about 100 before. We've had, I've carried Todd around. Not very far. <laughs> what do you weigh? Oh, 170 or something. Not like 170. Yeah, so then just They go. can carry a lot more than your legs can carry. Or want to carry. Any other questions? We're about a hour and ten minutes through, so... Can you guys make like a load sling? Do you know, there's, uh, we make a, uh, like just a meat hauler? Yeah, is that, yeah. You, just you don't, need, that, you don't need that to run it with, with this system, but if you just wanted the frame and to just pack meat, yeah. we do make a meat sling. Yeah, that's for take out some, you just, all you're going back in for is meat, you just take that in, then you can carry more meat than... We have a accessory bag that attaches the outside. I think there's one set up over there. You can look at it. So you can put water and, and stuff you might need while you're going home. If you just want to haul out meat, cool. don't want to buy And I'll tell you, if you buy this pack and you don't believe it's the best, most comfortable, functional hunting pack you've ever bought, we'll give you money back. No questions asked. Nobody ever. But you have to give the pack back with yeah. it. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that 7200, you'll cinch it down for day hikes and stuff? Yep. Yeah. Pull the lid off, cinch it down. Sometimes I'll pull the A lot of times when I'm day hunting out of the 7200, like on a sheet metal, I'll put the lid and lid a lot of times just inside. Or leave it a can. You cinch it down, it cinches you down. The other thing I'll do is, I, that 7200 seems really big. I can even take it on airlines when I travel. I'll put my office in there. I don't want to check. And if you my carrier on the airlines, I'll say yeah, so we can wrap it up. If you guys have other questions, come talk to us. If you want to pick the packs up and feel them, feel free. Hey, thanks you guys for coming in today. I really, really appreciate it.